Blog Talk Radio. edition of the cheapest meal presented by deep fried draft my name is brian bosarge we are officially five weeks away from the 2019 nfl draft in nashville uh it starts on april the 24th so uh we're almost there everybody and uh tonight we're going to talk uh some colts indianapolis colts here in a few minutes uh, we want to remind you that over at deepfrieddraft.com, uh, I've got my latest mock draft posted on Monday. You can go there and check that out. Um, check that out right now over at deepfrieddraft.com. Let's bring in our guest right now. He is a writer for Colts.com, and he is a uh, prior guest here on the cheapest meal jake arthur jake how you doing tonight man my man what's up doing all right how about you hey we're getting pretty close here to the draft but uh yeah i gotta tell you um it can't be a coincidence right the first year you start writing uh writing on the staff there at colts.com they make their return to the playoffs hey i take a lot of credit for that i may not deserve it but i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and and step out in that in that limelight (laughs) (laughs) absolutely hey man we got to start talking about some big news your way uh just happened just went uh went out about two hours ago uh all pro uh edge rusher justin houston formerly of the chiefs signs today with the colts two years 24 million man that's 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 a big deal yeah, it really is. Um, the, the Colts have been looking for kind of a premier pass rusher since Robert Mathis, Robert Mathis retired. And even when it was Robert Mathis, you know, he was winding his career down and he retired. It wasn't like he was in his prime and then was traded or went elsewhere. They, they've been looking for a real stud bull pass rusher for a while. And, I mean, Justin Houston is 30. He just turned 30 in, in January. Um but we've seen guys at that age roll off a few more good years. So uh, while he's probably not in his prime, he's probably more towards the twilight of his career, um, Chris Ballard obviously thinks that he can get plenty out of him. And, and switching to a new system, especially one like this where defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus and defensive line coach Mike Fair, they just want their defensive linemen to kind of, you know, forget all the cares in the world and just go cause chaos in the backfield. And I think for an older guy like Justin Houston, who has had, you know, drop in coverage and do things here and there that aren't just rushing the passer, that, that could be reinvigorating for him. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, you got to think he's still, I mean, with Terrell Suggs, I mean, he's still producing at a high, high-ish level anyway, and he's well into his late 30s. So you have to think that oh, yeah. still, uh, Houston's still got some juice. Yeah, I think with him it's just a matter of, of staying healthy. Um, I, I think if he didn't have a, a couple recent seasons where he was banged up, he's probably still in Kansas City, you know. Um, I 
and it wasn't even that long ago. He had 20, 22 sacks. That's what that guy is capable of when he's healthy, and he's he's 30. It's not like he's 34 or 35. So, you know, if he can stay healthy, the, the Colts probably have themselves a double-digit sacker. Yeah, and that, that would be big for them because actually that's been one of their major uh, bugaboos there on defense the last few years. Uh, let's let's flip it back over to the offensive side. Uh, Andrew Luck back healthy last year. You think he's all the way back to his old self, or has he still got some work to do? Oh yeah, uh, honestly, he he looks better than ever. Um, if you consider his pairing with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, um, physically he looks just fine. Just, you know, just like he did before. But now he's he's finally he's finally been paired with that that head coach and, and coaching staff that really can help like maximize his, his talents. You know, um, we see that every so often in the NFL when a quarterback is just paired up perfectly with a coaching staff. And I think that's what we're finally going to be getting out of Andrew is, is he couldn't have come into a better system than, than Frank's. Yeah, Andrew Luck. I mean, one of the best quarterbacks in the league when he's healthy. And, and as you say, he's, 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 he's there. He's back, so uh, expect big things to continue there with the Colts on the offensive side of the ball. Jake, coming into this offseason, uh, the Colts have one of the highest cap uh, availabilities uh, yet. Uh, before today, they had $77 million approximately uh, still open. You know, you figure you're going to lose at least 12 to 13 of that with Houston. So you're still at around $64, $65 million. Uh, You think they're done with the free agency this year? Uh, no, I, I mean that that may be the last that may be the last big move we see. Uh, but free agency is, is 365 days a year for for this team, and I mean I, I know that's the same for a lot of teams. But you you can see a a, a roster move come up at any time, and Chris Ballard kind of you know hammers that home all the time when we talk to him is. You know, free agency isn't just that, you know, couple-month period in the offseason. It's, it's every day. Um, but but in terms of just this kind of off-season free agent frenzy period, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see a couple more moves, um, especially with their own guys. Uh, they have tendered a few of their restricted and exclusive rights free agents that have yet to sign. Um, you know, you got guys like Matthias Farley and Clayton Gathers who are important players for them, but, you know, they, they just have to sign their tenders at some point. Uh, Marcus Johnson could come back. Dontrell Inman could come back. Uh, so some of their own guys. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're always going to be kicking the tires on, on plenty of outside free agents as well. So I very much doubt that they're done. Um. Speaking of outside friends, is there anybody left out there that you you think would be a fit for their what the future the future going forward? Uh, funny you say that because I actually have a, a piece on that coming out here in the next couple of days. Uh, Houston was was going to be on there, so that's you know that's kind of one off the list. Uh, but there were actually it was kind of frustrating because I was putting this list together today, and then like three or four of these guys signed elsewhere. Um, you got uh, Darius Phelan, who uh, who was with the Chargers. I, I forget where he just went. I think it was maybe Arizona or somewhere. Uh, but he was off the board. He he was kind of kind of a good looking a matchup. Um, 
the Colts often use three safeties at a time, especially in, like, dime looks. So guys like Jaleel Adai looked kind of intriguing. Um, Eric Berry's kind of – a lot of time I like to stay away from big names, but, of course, any time you would like to have someone like Eric Berry, you know. Uh, there's some running backs out there. Um, there was some reports that Jay Ajayi would be visiting the Colts this week. Um, just, just kind of some guys like that. No, no one huge, but uh, guys, guys who could serve a bridge purpose, or the Colts can maybe rattle a couple more good years out of a couple guys. They, they don't really go for older guys that much, which is why getting Houston was maybe a surprise to some people. Um, because um, unless it's a critical position like pass rusher a lot of the free agents they go for have to kind of be a little on the younger side and ascending talents, like someone like Devin Funches that they signed. Yeah, um, I was going to – I'll go ahead and talk about it now because that was the next thing I was going to talk about. But I'll low-key, I like that one-year one year deal for Funches there because he seems to be like the opposite of a wide receiver that you have in uh, T.Y. Hilton. And I think he, he fits perfect in, in, in their offense to be kind of the uh, – the yin to his yang, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I really like the, the Funchess move. I had him on my original. I, I did a, a free agency big board before the, the big free agent blow-up started a couple weeks ago, and I had him on there. Um, he, he's just he's just a mismatch piece that the Colts use, and they use those kinds of guys very well. And uh, not to take anything away from Cam Newton, he's a great player in his own right, but he's not the passer that Andrew Luck is. And so I just think Andrew can get the most out of Funchess. If Funchess is going to be a really good player in the NFL, I think we're going to find out if that's the case during his time with the Colts. You know, they've just got these guys like Ebron and and T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle that they can move around and do just about anything with. And Funchess seems to be able to factor in that, especially I'm assuming in the red zone. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Ebron; he was a just huge for them last year. After Detroit had basically given up on him, uh, you do have all that room. So, is is there anybody like that they would look to extend, maybe front load a extension with uh, currently on the team? Uh, well, the the tight ends you've always got to look there. Uh, I believe Eric Ebron has another just another year left. Uh, Jabal Sheard, I believe, has another year left. Um, so that'd be a couple areas I would look. I think I feel like Jack Doyle probably has another year left. So uh, Anthony Costanzo next year is a big year. Honestly, um, that, that that's one reason that you didn't see them just burn through all this cap space. You know, a lot of a lot of people connected all these big free agent dots to the Colts because they had this this all this money. But I think they're gonna wait to, you know, reach that eighty nine percent rule next year when they have all these big contracts coming up. Um Andrew I think is even coming up in, in two or three years. So they they've just got a lot of a lot of their own guys to take care of, and that's their goal. Um, if, if there's an outside free agent that they think can help them, that's great. They're not going to overspend. They will not do it. Uh, they want to focus on grooming and developing their own guys. And with how much they achieved last year with such a young roster, 
they they definitely kind of want to double down on that and say, hey, look, this, we've shown this can work if you pick the right guys. So let's just keep developing and, and kind of grooming and then paying our own guys. Right. Uh, I know uh, before free agency started, a lot of people were connecting them to Le'Veon Bell. Never made sense to me. Um, and obviously that's not the route that they took. Um, last question before we start talking about uh, draft stuff. Uh, as a Bengals fan, I saw it for four years. So I just got to ask, Marcus Hunt, how the hell is this happening? <laughs> Yeah, I uh so he he was kind of he was kind of a big uh breakout player earlier in the year. And that's one thing I asked him was, you know, he was in the 4-3 before in Cincinnati, so kind of what what did he think led to it? Uh part of it, you know, he thinks you know, he he was still young to the game of football when he came into the NFL, so he's still developing and learning. And I think he just really fits into this Colts system. There's not as much thinking. It's just all attacking, you know. And uh, he's a really versatile guy with his body type. You can set him out at defensive end or, like we saw in the second half of the year, they actually put him into the Colts version of the nose tackle in their 4-3 defense. So he's real versatile, and the scheme just fits him well. You know, not all 4-3 defenses are built the same. Uh, So while it might have looked like he should have done that well, and since he, it's just finally starting to click for him here. Yeah, I mean it, it's been amazing to, to to watch from afar and see how he was, how completely terrible he was for his first four years in the league, and then see he moves on to Indianapolis, and all of a sudden he's a super, not a superstar, but he's he's a good player now. I mean I'm happy for him, mm-hmm. but it just it it just it's just amazing to see from a distance. Uh, moving yeah, on they to the draft. in this offseason for a reason, for sure. No, no doubt. So let's move on to the draft now. Uh, Colts have four picks in the first 89, including picks 26 and 34. The 34th pick, uh, the last uh, piece there from the, the Jets trade last year. What do you think is uh, on the table for those those early picks? Uh, well, especially because of the move today with Justin Houston, um, it kind of rounds out the roster a little bit. Uh, I've, I've been working on some kind of team needs pieces lately, and there's there's not a lot of big gaping needs. You know what I mean? There, there are areas where they're thin. Uh, you know, receiver, they're thin. Um, they could use more depth on the defensive line overall and in the secondary, but there's nothing that they're, like, dying to have. Uh, so I, I think in true Chris Ballard fashion, we're probably going to see a uh, best player available approach everywhere in the draft. Um, if, if someone they feel is special falls to them, I think regardless of position, they'll take them. Could even be surprising, you know. No one thought it would be Malik Hooker two years ago, and then a lot of people questioned Quentin Nelson, even though he's a generational talent. You know, no matter the position, I, I think they'll go for it. I also think at 26 that trading back is probably very much on the table. Uh, Chris really values draft picks. They're at gold to this organization. And when you're getting to the bottom of the first round, the difference in talent level with a lot of these guys isn't isn't very big, you know. So dropping down into the, you know, low 30s or whatever from 26, you know, dropping back five, six, seven spots, that's not 
gonna you know it's not gonna be a big deal, and they'll pick up a couple draft picks for it, you know. Uh, so that's definitely something I could see being a possibility. I know in my three mock drafts I've put out, I've had them going with three different positions. First one I had Nikhil mm-hmm. Harry from Arizona State as a wide receiver, kind of a big guy, not unlike Devin Funches. Um, then I had Cleveland Farrell in the last one, but with signing of Justin Houston, I don't know if that's a a, a, a realistic possibility now. And in my last mock draft, I had him going with Juan Thornhill, uh, safety from Virginia, who highly productive and tested extremely well at, at the combine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, one thing I can I can tell you that at least us kind of in the media are getting the feel feel of, about this receiver may not be as high up on the priority list as it may seem. It's it's definitely an area you look right at and you say, you know, they, they could use some help there. I've had it on my team needs spots both times. Uh, but I just don't know that they value going for it very high uh, just because I think, I think their coaching staff knows what they can get out of guys. And it, they don't all have to be elite talents. I think they can just manufacture playmaking ability out of some of these guys, you know. Um, now, that's not to say if, if someone who has a really good skill set, you know, if they love and kill Harry, then maybe they go that route, you know. If they love Hakeem Butler or Hollywood Brown or someone, there's nothing to say they, they won't do that. But just the position in general, I don't know how high up it is on the priority list. Uh, and then uh, Clellan Farrell, I, I would agree with you there. I actually had him in my to the Colts in my first mock draft. Um, I, I think the kind of recent blow-up of Brian Burns and Montez Sweat could send him down that level, um, you know, because he's kind of on that second wave of pass rushers with those guys, and their, their excellent combine showings, you know, might be the tiebreaker there that kind of sends Farrell down there. Uh, and then when you were talking about Thornhill, safety is a real possibility as well. Uh, the Colts use three safeties a good amount of time, probably more than most teams. Uh, they do that especially, I think, in dime packages. Uh, we saw it with Matthias Farley a lot before he got hurt. And then Mike Mitchell would go in there. We saw George Odom. Um, so even though the Colts do have two starting safeties in Malik Hooker and Clayton Gathers, you could consider it's almost like a, a nickelback now. You know, your your third cornerback is a starter also, you know. Uh, so mm-hmm. a third safety on the Colts would probably play a pretty good deal. Uh, so if they're a playmaker, the Colts will pick them and find a way to put them on the field. It's not going to be a problem. Uh, so I, I'd agree with, with definitely some of those picks that you made there. What uh, what prospects uh, that, that should be available where the Colts pick would you like to see them come away with in the first couple of days? Uh, I'll just kind of give you some of my guys. Um, Since I know the Colts are going to kind of view things best player available, it may not be necessarily on need. Um, But honestly, I I don't know if they'll get to the Colts at at this level, but uh, the Iowa tight ends, I I really like them, especially Noah Fant. He's my top tight end. Uh, A lot of people, you know, they'll say the Colts already have a bunch of tight ends, which is true. Uh, but like I mentioned, they've already got a couple guys coming up for contracts next year. Um, they may want those guys back, but, you know, 
the reality of the business is they may not be able to get them back. And tight ends take a while to develop anyways. It's arguably the longest position to start making an impact in the NFL. And so there's nothing to say that tight end would even be that much of a contributor right away. You know, they'd have to maybe be available more next year. Uh, Also, I love this group of pass rushers. Um, You know, Brian Burns, Montez Sweat, those those guys are are really nice. Um, Defensive linemen as well. I'm a big Charles Omenahu guy uh, out of Texas, if I'm saying that right. He he actually reminds me a, a lot of current Colts defensive lineman Danico Autry. Uh, kind of, you know, long, slender guys, if you're going to consider them defensive tackles. I know Omenahu did a lot of end stuff at uh, Texas, but I, I think he'd be a good fit inside in the defense like the Colts. Uh, I just think he's a really talented player. He's got a lot of good bursts. Um, I will say I'm not in love with this linebacker class, um, top to bottom. It's it's a little uninspiring. Um, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just putting them kind of on a pedestal because of the, some of the recent classes we've seen with Reuben Foster, Jalen Smith, and then last year with Roquan Smith and, and things like that. Um, and then a couple of guys I really wouldn't mind seeing who don't so much get a ton of publicity is Amani Oruwarie from Penn State. Really like him. I think he'd fit in the Colts defense well. And then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I think he's a really smart, really instinctual safety that is just going to be a natural playmaker in the NFL. He's another guy that I, if you told me the Colts were going to take a safety at 26 and it was Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I would not be surprised at all. Because I know he's probably going to be the one. He's probably going to be one of the top safeties on a lot of teams' board. He's not the top on mine, but um, it would not surprise me if he went in that first round area. And I know Amenahu from Texas. You mentioned him earlier. He had a great uh, Senior Bowl game. He was up and down mm-hmm. during the practices during the week, but during the game, he 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 went off. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, he fits the Colts defense like a glove, I think, could play inside or out. I, I think he fits exactly what they do. Um, I know last in last year's draft, they uh, they went with Quentin Nelson early and then uh, Braden Smith in the second round. And the Colts just basically became a shining example to all other 31 teams about how quickly you can rebuild an offensive line because they were – it was what – probably widely considered one of the worst units in the league two two years ago, and now it's considered one of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they, they, they turned that around in a hurry, and it was important. Um, you know, I, I've Chris Ballard and, and Frank Reich, they already believe in building your roster from the inside out. And uh, while Chris liked some of the additions that Ryan Grigson had made before him, um, I, I think they just realized, you know, we're hopefully lucky enough to get a healthy Andrew Luck back. With him back, we have to just build a, an absolute great wall of China in front of him, you know. And I think they really took that to heart. They made the right picks. Uh, Quentin Nelson, obviously all pro as a rookie. Braden Smith, really unheralded, but I think it's because he was teammates with Quentin Nelson, you know, um, was a starter at right tackle for most of the year, even though he was drafted to be a guard. 
Uh, so he overcame a little adversity and just kind of grew up really quick. They they, they really did some work. Um, Matt Slauson was a really underrated signing. He was the starting right guard until uh, had a had a back issue that been week five. Uh, he was unfortunately lost for the year and then kind of became Coach Lawson. But uh, they made a couple sneaky good free agent moves and some even better draft picks. Um, it can be turned around in an off season if if you if you allocate the resources to it and you make the right selections. It can be done. I had no doubt about it. Uh, last thing, Jake, and I'll let you go. Uh, Colts done a tremendous job with late round picks and undrafted free agents. Uh, who are a couple deep sleepers this year that you think of, would uh, fit in with the Colts? Uh, this um, Michael Dogby kid out of Temple. Uh, don't know how late he's going to be anymore with, with how he's done uh, in the pre-draft process. Uh, you've also got, uh, let's see, Khalil Hodge from Buffalo. Um, definitely intriguing there, kind of a tackling machine. And then uh, wide receiver is one of the, you know, deepest classes. Um, there's this kid from Toledo, John Vay Johnson, who did a little bit at, at his uh, pro day. And then uh, let's see who else. Uh, Malik Reed, I believe, from uh, – yeah, Malik Reed from Nevada, the edge rusher from there. Uh, I, I think he's got sleep written all over him. There's pretty much every year I kind of fall in love with a mid to late round uh, defensive end edge rusher from a smaller school, and I, I think that's him this year. There's a, a edge rusher that – he was highly productive, and I just don't – he's not getting any pub at all, and it's – Raheem, Raheem, Raheem Bingham from Arkansas State. I, I, I just don't see anybody talking about him at all, and I think he's he's another that's got like that that late round edge rush potential um, mm-hmm. that that could be a, a player at the NFL level. And uh, you mentioned uh, John Bay Johnson. Uh, I talked about it the other day, but there's like a to me there's like a cluster of these undersized wide receivers, like slot guys, like, uh, and I was mainly using it to talk about John Arsua from Hawaii, who had a great pro day, but it's mm-hmm. him, like Greg, Greg Dortch from Wake Forest, Hunter Renfro from Clemson, and uh, Penny Hart from Georgia State. And to me, these guys are all like in that fifth, sixth, seventh round area, and to me, they're almost all the same guy with, with small differing traits. And it's just, it's going to be anxious to me to see where, how, how that cluster gets broken up. Oh yeah, and and to kind of piggyback off those receivers, uh, someone I've seen, I haven't studied him specifically fully yet. I'm not done with him, uh, but Tyree Brady from Marshall, I really like him a lot. Uh, and then there's a couple running backs who kind of caught my attention: uh, Divino Zigbo from Nebraska, Bruce Anderson from North Dakota State, and then uh, Darwin Thompson from Utah State. Um, they're, they're, the NFL always has these late round or undrafted running backs, and I, I think that's a few good ones to look at there. And a funny story about Tyree Brady, and I, I talked to him about it at the Senior Bowl. But I, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I was watching last year when I was doing uh, doing a write up for Chase Litton, who was Marshall's quarterback, came out early last year, and he just kept jumping off the tape to me. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to track this guy. Well, they played at Southern Miss last last year, which is about an hour and a half from my house. 
So I went up there to watch the game just solely to watch Tyree Brady, and he had one catch for six yards, and he fumbled on his only catch he had. So <laughs> it's like just a that, just a great a great day. Yeah, I, I I caught a glimpse of them watching someone else too. I was watching some defender who was playing Marshall, and I was like, who is this AJ Green looking receiver out here? And then I I you know kind of jotted down his number, and I was like, oh, he is in the draft, Tyree Brady, and he's actually a little notable. Like People actually know some things about him, so he definitely went on my watch list after that. Well, he transferred from Miami, and I asked him about that at Senior Bowl as well. I was like, well, what happened there? He's like, I just got kicked out of school. I was like, oh, okay. Oh. And uh, <laughs> But uh, he was kind of middle of, the, middle of the pack. He didn't do anything great at Senior Bowl, but didn't do anything – you know, to say, well, he's terrible, but then he had his, at his pro day, or at the combine and at the pro day, and it was just all kinds of bad. Four, seven, four, oh, and 40, that, that's not good. That's not. And, that's you know, good. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll fess up to something, and it's, I'm not throwing in the towel yet. It, he's had a crazy disappointing uh, pre-draft process. But I really liked Elijah Holyfield before the combine. I still mm-hmm. do. There's no getting over his 40 times, both at the combine and his pro day. Like, if, if you don't improve it at the pro day, it's probably a real problem. But on t- he was never going to be fast watching him on tape. He's just a he's just a cannonball. I don't know how much teams are going to love taking him with how poorly he's done in the pre-draft process. But I really liked him, honestly. Well, the good thing is he should come cheap now. You don't, you're not going to have yeah, to spend a top exactly. 100 pick on him now. You're going to you're going to get him in the fifth or sixth round, and at that point, what what are you really spending? You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's exactly to me when you get in the sixth and seventh round, you're basically drafting guys you don't want to have to fight people over signing as undrafted free agents. Yep, just kind of boomer bust prospects. You know, it's it's no big deal to cut a fifth, sixth, seventh round guy. No lottery, lottery tickets all the way there. Uh, mm-hmm. Jake, uh, tell everybody where we can find your work leading up to the draft. Uh, well, I'm on Colts.com, uh, team's official website. Uh, Andrew Walker and I are putting out some pretty decent draft content there. Uh, you can also catch me on Twitter at Jake Arthur NFL. Jake, man, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on with me tonight. Yeah, no problem, buddy. Thanks for having me. That was uh, that was Jake Arthur from Colts dot com. Uh, thanks thanks to him for uh, coming on tonight, taking time to talk about the Indianapolis Colts and uh, coming off a playoff season. And uh, they they've got a great team right now uh, built. Uh, GM Chris Ballard, uh, head coach Frank Reich, and uh, and they got Andrew Look back healthy. Had the defensive rookie of the year, Darius Leonard, last year. I mean, they're they're a good team, and they've done enough this off season to tell me that they're not going anywhere uh, towards next season. So, uh, thanks again for Jake Arthur. Follow him on Twitter at Jake Arthur NFL and at Colts dot com. Thanks to him for joining me tonight. Um, I said earlier, you can find my new mock, newest mock draft at uh, DeepFriedDraft dot com, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at DeepFriedDraft. Thanks everybody for joining me tonight. Until next time.